to God. Hallelujah. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be exceedingly glad. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be exceedingly glad in the name of Jesus. Well, good afternoon, good morning, good wherever you are when you hear or watch this message. Remember, Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My name is Apostle Milton Jones. I want to welcome you to Ignite Depot, where our goal each time is to ignite life, purpose, and identity within a generation in the name of Jesus. Wow. Hallelujah. We're going to jump right in, in Jesus' name, where we're going at tonight. Yeah. Get your, get your notebook, get your pen out, uh, because you're not going to remember everything I'm going to say to you tonight, but you're going to want to go back and watch this, write it down, whatever the case may be, because in these days, in these times, in these trying times, it's not enough just to hear the word. It's not enough just to hear the word. You have to be a doer of the word if you want to see situation and circumstances change in your life. It won't happen just by the fact that you heard, heard it. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. And I, and when this message came, I got this message probably about two or three weeks ago, the beginning parts of it. And the father and I was talking about purposes. People are believing, you know, that they're going to fulfill their purpose in, in, in the earth. They're going to fulfill their purpose and that which I called them to do, they're going to fulfill. They're going to actually begin to operate and walk in the kingdom of God. He says, but it's not automatic. It's not automatic. And what we're going to do, the goal today is this is the, the beginning part of it. But the thing is, is so people, people are, well, let me just read, let me make our declaration and then jump right in. And then it's going to answer a lot of questions that I don't have. I'm not going to explain. So in accordance to Isaiah 61 and one, it says this, it says that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the open of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, a day of vengeance for our God, and to comfort all who mourn, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they, the ones who the spirit of the Lord is upon, they shall build the old waste, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Now, you remember, this is what Jesus quoted when he was in the temple in Luke chapter 4. He had just came out of the wilderness. He just came out of 40 days of, tempt of, of, of fasting and prayer, and the adversary had just tempted him. So he's fresh off of that. He just got the victory, and he's sitting in the temple, and this is what he stands up in the temple, and it was found of him what the word of God said about him, and it says, and this is my mission. This is what I'm going to go forth, and this is what I'm going to do. So everywhere he went, he preached good tidings unto the meek. He sent, he, he was sent to bind up, he broke, bound up the brokenhearted. He proclaimed liberty or freedom to those who were captive, the opening of the doors of those who are bound. Now, how many people know you don't have to necessarily be in prison to be in bondage? 
There is a lot of more people outside of prison who are bound than people who are actually in prison that are bound. You can be bound in emotion. You can be bound in, in situation hurts and pains and situations and circumstances that happened in your life. And even though that situation circumstance may have happened many, many years ago, you are still dealing with the same effects of it today as if it just happened. It might've been 10 years ago. It might've been 20 years ago. It might've been 40 years ago, but you're still dealing with the residue effect of what happened to you. You are still bound to that situation. And Jesus said, I came to preach to you so that you can be released. And what did he go about preaching so that they could be released? He preached the kingdom of God. He did not preach their problem. He preached their solution. So if Jesus did that, and if he did, he had his disciples go out and do that in Mark chapter 10, then why are we as a body still talking about the problem more so than we talk about the solution? That's the question we're going to answer today. So, Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and thank you for this opportunity in your word. We thank you, Father, that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but, Father, let it be in demonstration of the spirit of power. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Continue to move up and down each and every aisle. Touch each and every person. Touch each and other household that's been represented. Touch each and every person who's watching online. Those who will hear it by way of podcast. Father God, let it be all of you and none of me. I decrease that you may increase. Father, let their faith not, not lie in the words, enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and power. Father, may you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, did y'all hear that part? Paul prayed when he taught the word that people's faith would not lie in the words of man, but in but with the enticing words of man, but in demonstration of spirit and power. Why is that? Because if you are a good orator, if you know how to really put it together and you can be very, you could put together a very persuasive message, you could be telling all kinds of stuff and it may not even be right, but because it sounds good, you abide it as the truth. And if I was to give this message a title, well, he first he gave me this when I was standing over there uh, just as praise, while praise and worship was going on. He says, and according to Amos chapter three, three, he says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Can you two people walk together in with the same mission, the same goal, the same plan, except they both agree? God already has the plan. God already has the direction. God already has all the resources, uh, provisions, and everything that you need in order to fulfill that plan. But the question he's asking today is, can, can two walk together? Can you and I walk together if you don't agree with the direction I'm giving you? Can you walk together in God's plan if you don't go where God tells you to go, say what God tells you to say, and do what God tells you to do? It's not automatic. People think, I got a word from so-and-so, and they told me this was going to happen. It's not automatic. You have to come in agreement. You have to accept what it is they say. You have to be willing to, because when you hear a word, that's the, that's the end result. That's not the beginning. So if I prophesy a word to you, or I speak a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, that's the end result. 
That's not the beginning. Prime example, uh, uh, Joseph, Genesis 39, he had a dream. He had a dream that one day that, that they would bow before him. That was the end result. He had the word. He began telling people about the end result, but he did not know in order to get there, he had to be betrayed by his brothers. He had to be sold into slavery. He had to be portrayed by part of his wife. He had to end up in prison for, for 13 years. He had had the butler and the cup holder all but not forget him while he was in there. And he had to wait for the appointed time for him to step in his position. And he still had to have a right attitude during the time and don't get off God's plan. It didn't just happen. Jesus was, was prophesied into the earth in Genesis chapter one, chapter three, verse 15. It was 4,000 years later before he showed up. The children of Israel, God told Moses, I'm going to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. And Moses heard the word. Moses received the word. Moses went to the very people. Think about this. Moses went to the very people who was praying to God to be delivered. And when he got there, he told them what was going to happen. And they did not believe him. So they did signs and wonders. They, they believed him for a season. But as soon as trouble hit, what did they do? They went back to their old way of thinking. So now they're no longer walking in agreement with the father, even though he said, I have already given the land to you. And what should have taken 11 days for them to get there took them 40 years. Why? Because they would not walk in agreement with the father. And I'm telling you by the spirit of the Lord that there are many people today frustrated, upset, thinking, God, thinking that it's everybody else's fault, thinking it's the devil's fault, thinking it's this person's fault, it's that person's fault. And the father says, it's because you will not walk in agreement with me because it's not automatic. The greatest potential on earth today is in the graveyard. There's many people that God had purposes, plans for their life, but because they would not come in agreement with him, they never saw the end result, even though it was God's desire all along. Why are you saying that? Because he is, he doesn't want people to be frustrated. People are frustrated right now. And he's like, it's not automatic. You have to work with me. You have to walk with me. Noah, prime example. Noah had never heard of rain before. Never seen rain before. God says it's going to rain. Noah, I need you to build an ark. This is how you're going to build it. Do you notice, did you, when you read that story, did you, did you read the part where it said God went and gave him all the supplies? Or did Noah have to go get the supplies? Noah had to get the supplies, but God gave him the design, but Noah still had to go get the supplies and do the work. What if Noah did, decided he wasn't going to do it? He, he, I mean, because he preached the same message for a hundred years. He did not have one convert. What if Noah decides I'm done? I've been in doing this for fifty years, Lord, and ain't nothing happened. I'm done. Noah and all his family dies. He was being mocked. He was being made fun of the whole time. Yet he never lost sight of what it is God said. 
Are y'all interested? Y'all want to know what did what you got to do? What what's what can be hindering you seeing what it is? And you know, I guess this is. I, I mean, I didn't ever thought about it this way, but this is last week we talked about exposing the enemy in me. If you haven't seen that or listened to that, man, you need to go back and listen to that because it's going to expose something in you that you may not have thought of. God designed the whole purpose is is for this ministry is to ignite you, bring fire to your life, to ignite you in your purpose, to ignite so you can understand what your identity is. It's a teaching ministry. It's a training ministry. It trains people so they can do take what they learn and go out and apply it in their everyday life. You are not going to impress your family members just by quoting scripture. They don't want to hear that. They, they got 20 people on their job doing that. You really want to impress your family? You really want to turn your neighbors around? You really want to draw them to you? Draw them to Jesus? Do it. Stop talking about it. Do it. You talk about God and so love them. Let them see the love of God inside of you. Let them see the compassion of God inside of you. Let them see the non-judgmental side of God inside of you. Let them see the long suffering side of God inside of you. Let them see the, the self-control side of God in you. People will see you. And Jesus said, what did he say to the disciples? If you have seen me, you have seen the disciples, you have seen my father also. So when people see you, they should see your heavenly father also. They should see the Lord Jesus Christ operating in you also. It's not, it's not automatic. Well, now that we've given you the short introduction, we're going to jump right in. So buckle up, buttercup, because here we go. Now, God told me, we was talking, this is where we're going to launch out. One thing about, one thing God said is, is so prevalent, particularly in the earth today, is my people are being destroyed for lack of knowledge. And as quoted as Hosea chapter four, verse six. And then I would invite you to go back and read Hosea chapter six, uh, Hosea chapter four, starting at verse one and read down to all how he got to what he said in verse six, because there's a lot that was going on. Part of the re reason why the people was being destroyed because of their lack of knowledge, because there was no truth and there was no, no knowledge of God in the land. And there was, as a result, there was all kind of stuff that was going on. Now, some of the priests weren't given the word and some of the priests was given the word, but the people was contending with the priest. So it's not, it's not and in any situation, but every time you can see that there's an issue with it, sometimes priests, pastors or apostles are, our evangelists, our teachers can get off. Guess what? But there, if you look at it, there's more times that you will see people start down the path and then they got off. Starting down the path, they did it with Moses. They did it with Noah. They did it with David. They did it with Solomon. They did it with Samuel. They did it with Jesus. Who's a better teacher than Jesus? Who's a better apostle, pastor, prophet than Jesus? He preached one message. Many, John 6, 6, 6, says many from that day left and followed him no more. One message. People can be funny. Another way to say people can be fickle. People can be on some other stuff. That's people. As and, and we tell pastors and leaders this all the time, you got to preach what God gives you to preach in season, out of season, popular, not popular. 
at the end of the day, you work for the Lord. So he says, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because, not because knowledge was not made available to you, but because you have rejected knowledge. I will also reject you from being priests for me because you have forgotten the law or the statutes and instructions of God. What has happened is people began to get away from the word of God. People were doing it. Priests were doing it. They started teaching something other than the word of God. And as a result of it, people, what happened was they were being destroyed and they would, because they was rejected, even though the information was made available to them, they made a decision, I'm not going to receive it. You know, I would, he showed me, shared with me in Jeremiah chapter four. If you ever read the book of Jeremiah, read the entire chapter. Jeremiah is dealing with a group of people, a group of rebellious people from, if you read from one and you're going through, Jeremiah was dealing with these people because they, they was about to end up going into captivity. Now, when we read Jeremiah, if you read Jeremiah 29, we read Jeremiah 29 and 11 a lot of times. When you're reading Jeremiah 29 and 11, and he says, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts of, of peace and out of evil to give you an expected end. Do you realize they just entered into 70 years of captivity? If you read, go back and read it. They just entered into captivity and, and they was talking about all the things that was going on, but this is what I have in store for you, but you're going to go through this, this season. But he says here in Jeremiah chapter four, verse 22, he says, my people are foolish. This is the new King James version. My people are foolish. They have not known me. They are silly children and they have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do, but to do good, they have no knowledge. Here's God talking about his people, people he's in covenant with, children of Israel. He's talking to them about, hey, my children, and this is, this is him responding to Jeremiah because Jeremiah is praying for them. Wisdom. One thing you need, if you're going to walk in with all God's called you to do, you got to understand that wisdom is the principal thing. And according to Proverbs chapter four, verse seven, it says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and all you're getting, get understanding. Now, if you think about wisdom, what is wisdom? People confuse wisdom and knowledge. You can have knowledge and still not operate in wisdom. Knowledge simply means it is a clear and certain perception of that which exists or of a truth or fact. So it's, it's perceptions of things that exist, it's truth, it's facts, it's data, that's knowledge. So you can, have, you can be reading the Bible and you have a whole lot of Bible knowledge. I know we were talking about this in our uh, Kingdom Dominion Bible School uh, uh, last week, last few weeks when we was talking about, about faith. You can have what's known as mental ascent you or historical faith. You believe all the promises and everything that's in the, in the Bible, but you never step out and do it. In your head, you believe it, but your life, if you really believe it, you will begin to do it. So he says, wisdom is the principal thing. Well, that word principle means in general sense, the, the, it is the original thing. It is chief, most important. So if I would say, Wisdom, the right use or exercise of knowledge is what wisdom is, the right use and exercise of knowledge. 
is the chief, most original thing, purposeful thing. It's the most important thing. So before you begin to go out and do anything, you need to make sure first you have knowledge on the situation, facts, truths, and have the right clear and certain perceptions on it. And you need to be, have the, be able to have understanding. The other part of it is understanding. So I'm going to give it to you. There's four pieces. You have wisdom, which is the principal thing. You have knowledge. You have understanding. This is how the cycle works. You get the facts. You get the truth. And you get clear and certain perceptions first. That's knowledge. Then once you get knowledge, you have to spend time meditating that word. Meditating because everything with God starts with the word. You meditate that word. And according to Joshua chapter one, verse eight, you meditate that word day and night till you can see or begin to get a comprehension of what it is you are meditating on, on the knowledge that you have. So I got to get the information into me first. Then I got to meditate on it in accordance to Joshua chapter one, verse eight, to the point I begin to get comprehension of it. I'm beginning to learn or be more informed about what it, of the knowledge that I have. Where do you get the knowledge from? God's word. Where do you get understanding from? From the father. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom will come from God. But if you don't have any information, if you don't have any truth, if you don't have any facts based off of the word of God, there's nothing to give you comprehension on. It's not enough just to read a book. You have to get spend time in his word for him to give you a comprehension or a comprehensive understanding of our comprehensive insight into what it is that you are reading. If you don't have that, you're not operating according to the wisdom of God. You can't get the wisdom of God apart from getting the word of God. Go back and read Proverbs chapter one, Proverbs chapter two, Proverbs chapter three, Proverbs chapter four. They're all talking about knowledge, understanding, wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, wisdom. And it talks about how wisdom is more precious, more valuable than the rubies. And it's more price, more choice than the, 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 the choice is silver or gold. It's so valuable because you can have a whole lot of money and have no wisdom on what to do no knowledge or comprehension and no wisdom on what to do with that money and you will be broke. If you come in with a poverty mentality and you have not renewed your mind on what to do with money, you will be broke because you will operate just like the world does. But when you get God's knowledge on what, what money is, money is a tool. It's a great tool, but a terrible God. Money is a tool. You get understanding that money is one of the lowest forms of prosperity. And in order for you to go beyond that point, you need to understand how do I do with money? Am I letting money work for me or am I working for money? Then wisdom come, a revelation knowledge comes to you and tells you, okay, now that you have my word on it, now that you have some comprehension on it, now I'm going to give you a rhema word, uh, a revealed word, so you can put it to use in your everyday life. What does it require you to put in? Two things. I'm going to use them. First one is time. This, with things with God is not a microwave society. 
It takes time. It also takes another word, work. You got to put in the work. So in order to get the wisdom of God, in order to operate according to the, have the knowledge of God, the, the comprehension and insight, uh, understanding the word of God, and the wisdom, the right use and exercise of that information that you have, it's going to take you time and it's going to take you work. Because everything with God starts with the word. Everything that God leads you to do, everything the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to do is going to be according to the kingdom of God. But if you don't understand what the kingdom of God is, you will still operate according to the world system, even though you go to church every week. Because church, church, the, the church builds you up and, and, and gives you, gives you, hey, this is what the word of God says. It, it's an introduction. Then what God expects the believers to do is to take what they heard, go home, and now I got knowledge. I need to spend some time with this so I can get understanding. Because I got like a, a little bit of understanding, but I need a better understanding if I want to operate, have it operate in my life, which means you got to put in time and work. Most people don't do that. They hear it on Sunday or Saturday, whenever they hear it, and they never go back to it again. And, and that's only for an hour that day, 45 minutes. Then after that service is over, you might have 12 more hours of the day that you're bombarded with other kind of knowledge, uh, other kind of information that's competing for your attention. Even if it's the word. Because I got knowledge here, I got knowledge here, I got knowledge here, I got knowledge here, but I haven't put in any time to get un un comprehensive understanding and I haven't put in any time to learn how to apply it to my, to my everyday life. It's great that so-and-so taught it, and he got a revelation, she got a revelation, but Lord, how do I apply it to my life here in Ottawa or here in Greeley or here in wherever you are in the world? It's not enough just to hear it. It's not automatic. See, even when you're, God says in his word, the kingdom of God is already, is already in place, but you have to seek the kingdom of God. How do you seek the kingdom of God? Through prayer through prayer. You seek the kingdom of God through prayer because you're already, because you, you got your Bible open. Who told you how to close your eyes to pray? You got your Bible open. Father, I need you to teach me about the, you know, uh, this is what I heard on Saturday. This is what I heard on Sunday. Father, I'm, I'm going to go back over the scriptures and everything. And I'm coming into it, Lord, with an open heart and an open mind for you to teach me, not already have a fixed opinion about it and it doesn't matter what anybody else said because this is what I already think about it. I'm going to tell you what you can get out of that session. Nothing. If you come in with already with a fixed mentality you will get nothing out of it. Because, not because there's not more to get out of it but because you're coming into it. I already know that. I already heard that five times. Man I don't heard him preach on that before. You can never exhaust the word of God. So how do you, because God says, my kingdom come, my will be done in earth, just like it is in heaven. How do I seek the kingdom through prayer? Turn with me over to Matthew chapter six. I'm going to be reading uh, Matthew chapter six, verse number seven. And this is even talking about prayer in general. And it was interesting but when he said this, to, when he was talking, we was talking about it. So because when I'm in prayer, a study time with God, 
I'm <laughs> Minister Julian will tell you, I talk to God just like I talk to you, and I ask questions. I ask a lot of questions. I, okay, I understand that's what you said, but how do you do that? Well, how do you do that? So Matthew chapter six, verse seven, you seek the kingdom of God through prayer. How did Jesus know what to do? How did Jesus always know what to do and where to go? Every time he did, before he did anything, he was in prayer. After he did whatever it is God told him to do, what did he do? He went back to prayer. How, how are you going to learn how to do what you need to do? It starts in prayer. It ends with prayer. Even in the middle, while you're going through it, you're still in constant communication with the Father through the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Holy Spirit, what do I do here? Well, what do I do here? Remember, the, 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 the prophet, prophetic word or the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge is the end result. It's not the starting point. If you don't believe me, go back and read every time somebody got a prophetic word in the Bible. When they got the word, was they at the end point or were they at the beginning? Matthew chapter six, verse seven says this. And when you pray, this is Jesus talking. When you pray, do, I'm reading out an amplified version. Do not heap up phrases, multiple words, repeating the same ones over and over as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their much speaking. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you have need of before you ask him. So even when, I mean, there are prayer books out and people read prayers. And, it, you know, you can read a prayer and the first time you prayed that prayer, you prayed in faith. But the second time, the third time, the 10th time, the 12th time, the 20th time, everything, you may not be praying in faith. You might just be going through the motion. So-and-so said, I needed to pray this prayer, so that's what I'm doing. And I'm and father this and that, father that, and father this and father that, and father this and that, father, and you're just trying to get through it. You're not praying in faith. You're not praying in faith. You're praying out of repetition. And you're like, why is nothing happening? Because you're not praying in faith. When you pray that prayer, when you pray that prayer, Father, I believe I receive in Jesus' name, hallelujah, glory to God. I was talking to the Father this more, earlier this morning, and we was talking about intercessor. You know the word intercessor is not in the Bible. But the word intercession is, which simply means to intervene on someone else's behalf. Inter everybody, the whole body of Christ is supposed to be intervening. Everybody's supposed to be interceding. How do you know that? Because in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says, first of all, the supplication prayers, intercession, and giving thanks be made unto all men. He says the exact same thing in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplications in the spirit. For all saints, making supplications, interceding for people, intervening on their behalf. So when you pray and don't keep praying the same prayer over and over and over and over again, particularly if you're not praying it in faith. I've only seen three scriptures, three times that Paul was interceding for the church. The, the Pauline prayer is one is in Ephesians chapter one. 
Uh, I believe it starts at verse number 16, Ephesians chapter 3, started at verse uh, 14, and Colossians chapter 1, uh, started at verse 9, when Paul was praying for the church. But if you're saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, you, you, you are probably not doing it in faith. And it, it just becomes repetition. I will get back before the Father to find out. He says, but this is how you pray. Anytime you pray, regardless of who, where are you at, this is how you pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You always start praising Thanksgiving with God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What are you saying to God? Father, I, above everything else, I want to pray that your kingdom come and that your will be done. Now, you might say, well, I already have this, this pre-read out prayer. Somebody gave me this prayer and I'm quoting and I'm just saying it by and by, da, da, blah, blah, blah. But did God tell you, did, did you go to God that day and say, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. What do you need me to pray for concerning your kingdom being done in this place today? And then listen, because he'll tell you. And it's funny because he will tell you to pray for stuff that you ain't even thinking about. I want to pray for this. I, I know, but I need you to pray for this. God, see, because you got to understand, and according to Luke chapter 12, 31, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Remember, we're seeking first the kingdom of God through prayer, and all these things will be added unto you. And this is what he wanted to say. Don't fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So God is not trying to keep anything for you, but you got to do it God's way. That's why you got to know for yourself, what does the Bible say for yourself? Not what somebody else has spoon fed you, but what does the Bible say for yourself? There's a lot of things that are going on in the earth right now. A lot of things. Some of it is God, a lot of it is not. And people say, well, you know, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. And God's going to do this and God's going to do that. And then God is saying this, but, 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 but I use men to do, men or women to do those things. But you got to, what did we talk at the very beginning? How can two walk together? Except they be agreed. Everything with God's kingdom. When you talk about the kingdom of God. There's a, the number one principle in the kingdom of God is found in Genesis chapter eight, verse 22. All this today is, it's not automatic. You have a part in it. First of all, you got to get knowledge. Then you got to get understanding. Then when you get the understanding, then you receive wisdom, the right use and exercise of the knowledge that you have according to the word of God, not according to somebody else saying it, and you can't go back and verify it. I hear people say all kinds of stuff all the time. And I'll be like, Lord, that Lord, 
He's like, don't even spend your time trying to figure it out because you don't think the same way that they think. So you're not going to see it the same way that they see it. I was like, but they said they got this from your word. People pick and choose what it is that they believe. People pick and choose what it is that they hear. People pick and choose what it is that they receive, even when they sit in church. Number one principle in the kingdom of God is this. Genesis 8.22, I'm reading out a new, new uh, King James Version says this. While the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So seed, time, and harvest will not cease. Seed, time, and harvest will not see. But you know a word that you could put in there? You have seed. You sow the seed. Then there's time. Then there's harvest. Because you can have the seed, never sow it. Be waiting for, in time and never see the harvest. You have to be willing to sow the seed. And we're going to talk about how you sow the seed tonight. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. So what is the seed? If, you know, seed time and harvest, what are you talking about? Turn with me over to Luke chapter 8, verse 10. It's not automatic. You have a part in this. You have a part in this. Luke chapter 8, verse 10 says this. It says, and he said, talking about Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking about the sower, the, the, the parable of the sower, sowing, sowing the seed. So sower, sowing the word. He's telling them in Luke chapter eight, verse 10, he says this, he says, and he said, Jesus talking to you who believe on me, who have faith in me, who have accepted me to you. It has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God are the mystery of God's, his nature, his culture, his lifestyle, his rule, his ram and rulership to you has been given to know these things, but to the rest, it has, it is given in parables. What is a parable? Is a story that has a biblical has a biblical principle, but is they don't get the revelation in it because they haven't received the believe on the one who's who's given the parable in the first place. If you don't believe on Jesus Christ, when you hear a parable out of the Bible, you hear a story out of the Bible, to you it sounds as nonsense. Eh, eh stupid man. Eh, why would you give? Why'd you give them? All they want is your money, but nobody ever says that when they go to McDonald's. They don't pull up to McDonald's. They have to be, all you want is my money. Absolutely. Why does McDonald's want your money? So that they can stay in business. So they can still keep sending you those hamburgers. Why do you sow into a ministry? When he says that there may be food in his house, food, his word is food to his house. He says this, he says, but to them is given to them in ministry, uh, parables that seeing they may see and hearing they may not understand. He says, now this is the parable. What is the whole seed that he's talking about here? The seed is the word of God. So everything with God's kingdom starts with a word. So you're either gonna be choosing words of life or you're gonna be choosing words of death, but everything that you say is sowing either into the kingdom of God or you're sowing into the kingdom of darkness. There's no such thing as, I'm just saying, I didn't mean it by that. I'm just, I just wanted to say all that. I just wanted to just get that off my mind. 
can I help you with something? When you speak words, your words set forth forces. Your word sets forth actions. Either one or two people are going to respond to that. Either the ministry angels that assign you are going to respond to it, or you are going to put in action the adversary's uh, demonic forces will go to work to bring to pass what it is that you said. Nothing just nothing just happens by happenstance. Nothing. If you want to understand what the harvest you have today is based off of the, the decisions and the words that you have been speaking up to this point. You said prove it. All right, Jerry, I prove it. Turn me over to Malachi chapter three. And this time, and we're, we're wrapping it up here. So Malachi chapter three, 13. God says this, he says in his word, he says, he's, he's saying this to people who he's in covenant with. He said, this is what, you, this is what they are saying. He says, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? God says to them, you have said it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his orders and what and that we have walked and mourn as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now what we're going to do, because we don't believe there's any profit in serving God, this is, this is our perception. What we're going to do, so now we're going to call the proud blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. In other words, man, they doing stuff, God, and you ain't even doing nothing about it. They ain't even trying to receive anything that you offer them. And in fact, God, they're even, re they openly rejecting your knowledge. How do you know that they openly rejecting his knowledge? Job chapter three, I mean, Job chapter 21, verse 13. Job 21, 13 says this. He says, in Job 21, verse 13, they spend their days in wealth. And in a moment, they go down to the grave. Yet they say to God, God, depart from us, for we do not desire the knowledge of your ways. Who is the mighty, who is the almighty that we should serve him? And what profit do we have if we pray to him? People are actually saying that today. People, in the, you have people in the body of Christ who are saying it today. What's the profit? What, 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 what's the benefit? If we, if we, if we, uh, we, in fact, we don't, we are saying to you, God, depart from us, for we do not desire your knowledge, the knowledge of your ways. We don't want to know your ways. And who is this almighty God that we should even serve him? What profit is it that we even pray to him? It's happening today. So you have one group that's saying, What's the bit? What profit do we have for serving God? What's, what's the big deal if we keep his ordinance? Shoot, people who ain't even following you, Lord, they still blessed. But it's only for a season. Because payday always comes. You said, why have you said all these things about the knowledge of God? Why are you saying all these things about people being destroyed because of the knowledge of God? Why are you talking about the the kingdom of God is, uh, is his free will to give us the kingdom. If it's his, if, it, if it's his, if he wants to give us the kingdom, why don't he just do it? 
because the kingdom of God is already on the inside of you, but you have to do your part in order to see it come to pass in your life. What's your part, you say? Remember, everything with God starts with a word. So these people have already told God, ain't no prophet to even have any knowledge about you. And, and what are they doing? They're, with their words, they're making decisions. We're not going to serve you. We don't want what it is you have. I want the benefits, but I don't want, I don't want you in the process. It's like having a relationship with no commitment. God said this just before it came. He said, I want you to share with them Galatians chapter six, Galatians chapter six, verse seven. And this is, this is a, this message is not, this is a message that, that helps bring clarity to people when they're, when they've been said, I've been believing God for this, that, and the other. And why aren't I seeing it? God is answering it. You have knowledge. You have very little understanding. So you're not operating according to the wisdom of God. He said this, Galatians chapter six, verse seven says this. I'm reading out an Amplified. It says, do not be deceived and disluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be smeared at, scorned, uh, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions so people yes sir he says people can just be going through the motions people can come to church going through the motions people can come to prayer going through the motions people can come to groups going through the motions it doesn't mean that your heart is in it at all that's the difference you could be going through the motions and your heart not be in it and nobody can see your heart but god can he says, or by his precepts being set aside, he inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God for whatever a man sows, that's good or bad. It said whatever. It didn't say good. It didn't just say bad. It says whatever a man sows, that and that only will is what he or she will reap. For he who sows to their own flesh, lower nature, uh, sensuality, will from the flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction. But he who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting notably and doing right. So, don't give in, cave in, and quit just because you hadn't seen it. Remember, when you God gives you a revelation on something or a word about something, he's showing you the end result. If he tells you, you know, this is what's about to happen in the earth, glory to God, hallelujah, that's the end result. Your question, okay, Lord, I hear what it is you say. What is it that you need me to say? Because I'm coming to you in prayer, seeking that your kingdom come, your will be done. What do you need me to come to you and to, what do you need me to say? What it is that you need me to do? What do you need me to stop saying? What is it that you need me to stop doing? Show it to me in your word, Lord. This prophecy or a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge that somebody gives me, show it to me in your word. Show it to me where, it's, where you've done that before because there's nothing new under the sun. Show it to me in the, under your word. 
Okay, now I, I got the word. I'm going to spend time meditating on it until I get comprehension in its proper context because he doesn't just show you one scripture. He'll sh he says, let every word be established by two or more witnesses. That's why every time we give a point, we're going to more than one place to show you it's not something we just came up with. You can go back and verify it. So he's telling people, don't get weary in your well-doing and faint and acting nobly and doing right for in due time. And at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our carriage and faint. Every time Jesus went to God in prayer, God always showed him something that he was going to go do or what he was going to say or where he was going to do it. Do y'all see that? With Noah, he walked Noah step by step by step for over a hundred years. How did he do that? Noah kept coming back and inquiring of the Lord. He showed Moses, he kept coming back and inquiring of the Lord. He kept inquiring of the Lord. He kept inquiring of the Lord. What are you going to have to do if you're going to walk out everything that God's telling you to do? I'm not talking about just on Saturday. I'm not talking about just on Sundays. I'm not talking about just in your little small groups or whatever it is you're doing. I'm talking about everyday life. You have to have a prayer life if you're going to fulfill what it is God called you to do. The way he called you to do it. Now, you could do some stuff. But it doesn't mean you're going to get God's results. I got a couple more points and then we're gonna we'll be done. Remember, whatever you sow, good or bad, you will reap. Everything in the kingdom starts with the word. You are gonna know a tree, a tree is gonna be known by the fruit it bears. You can tell me you say, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, fire baptized in your Bible all the time. You know the word. You're hearing from God, blah, 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 blah. If that's, I'll be, you should be able to see fruit. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, it says this. It says, either make the tree sound, healthy and good, and its fruit sound, healthy and good, or make the tree rotten, diseased and broke bad, or is fruit rotten, diseased and bad, for the tree is known and recognized and judged by its fruit. That's Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. So a tree is either gonna bring forth good, healthy fruit, or a tree is gonna bring forth diseased and bad fruit. You say, how, who, how do you determine whether it's going to be good fruit or whether it's going to be bad fruit? I'm glad you asked that question because God gave us an answer. You keep reading. It says, you offsprings of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For Listen to this part. For out of the fullness, the overflow, and superabundance of the heart your mouth speaks so how are you remember everything in the, in the kingdom starts with the word 
So how am I going to make bring forth good fruit or that's going to be healthy and, and or I'm going to bring forth bad fruit that's or uh yeah bad rotten fruit that's going to be bad out of the out of the abundance of my mouth out of the abundance that's in my heart the mouth will speak for the good man from his inner good treasure flings forth good things and an evil man out of his inner evil storehouse flings forth evil things. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will have to give an account. What are they going to give an account for? Every idle, inoperative, non-working word they speak. For by your words, listen to this, by your words, you will be justified and acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned and sentenced. It did not, what, what was going to either bring forth the good or the bad based off the words that are coming out of their mouth. Because whatever is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. If I really want to, if you really want to know where a person really is, look what, what listen to what they say when the pressure is on you're going to locate them. Not that we're judging people. But if you listen to the words that come out of their mouth, you're going to find out where they are. This is the last point. What is it that defiles a person? What defiles a person? This is what I'm telling you. If you don't have... Everybody says, but I know that. You have knowledge on that. But if you really had understanding of how valuable your words are and start operating in the right use of the knowledge of what the word is saying about what your words that come out of your mouth do, you would choose what you say. You would choose what you would do. When you went to prayer, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. What do you need me to say? What do you need me to stop saying? What defiles a man? This is where we're going to stop. Matthew chapter 15, verse 17. It says this. It says, do you not see and understand that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the abdomen and so passes into the place where discharges are deposited. But whatever comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. And this is what makes a man unclean and defiles him. For out of your heart, not your head, out of your heart, come evil thoughts, reasonings, and disputings, and designs such as murder, adultery, sexual vice, theft, false witnessing, slander, irreverent speech. These are what makes a man unclean and defile him. But eating with unwashed hands, because the whole thing was about the Pharisees was upset because the disciples was eating without washing their hands does not make a man unclean or defile him. 
First Corinthians chapter 15, 33 says this, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. First Corinthians 15, 33, awake unto righteousness and do not sin for some do not have the knowledge of God. It all comes down to, do you have his knowledge? Have you spent time and effort in getting his understanding? And then let him give you a rhema or Holy Spirit show you how to apply what you have heard, what you have read from his word. Because somebody else can say, hey, you know what? This is, this is, so-and-so said this, and this is what they, this is what their interpretation of what it is. That does not mean that's what, that was the correct interpretation. And it does not tell you how to apply it to your everyday life. Do y'all see that? It, it, it's not automatic. God has great plans. I know that God has great plans for everybody in the house and everybody who is watching this online and everybody who is going to hear this by way of podcast, but it's not automatic. You have to put time and work and effort into it. And you have to get knowledge. You have to get understanding. You have to get wisdom because wisdom is the chief, most important thing because, and you have to begin to seek God concerning the kingdom of God, because everything with God starts with everything in the kingdom starts with his word. And you are either going to be speaking words of life. You know, one of the reasons Deuteronomy, I said before you, life and death, blessing and church, uh, blessing, cursing, and choose life. Do you know how you can choose cursing or life by the words that come out of your mouth? Because Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of your tongue. God doesn't do it for you. You go to God and you find out, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. What do you need me to say and do? Then you say and do only what he says to say and do. If you add anything to it, you just took it out of context. If you're praying the same prayer over and over and over and over and over again, because somebody said that's what you're supposed to do, but you're not praying in faith, you won't get a result. Yes, I am because I'm, I'm saying it, but you're not saying it in faith and then you got to make sure you're walking in love because without love your faith will not work are you listening to me has it helped anybody open up your eyes about some stuff it's not automatic i i wish i could just wave a little wine over your head and you, and you get it but that's what the ministry does. We teach people how to do it. So today we went step by step. This is what, this is what you got to get first. This is why you got to get it. This is how you go to God in prayer. And then after you go to God in prayer, then you got to listen and hear what it is, the words he tells you to say, because your words are either going to be producing good fruit or your words are going to be producing rotten fruit. And it says it's going to be based off of the abundance of the words coming out of your heart. So that means you got to guard your heart. 
You got to guard your eyes. You got to guard your ears. What are you exposing yourself to? If you expose yourself to hate speech, no matter if you're in the body of Christ, you will speak hate. But if you expose yourself to the love of God because you're in a relationship with him every day and you're fellowshipping with him every day, you'll begin to speak words of love. It will change your life. I know it changed mine. So we're going to we're going to do the exact same thing. We're going to give you the opportunity to put that thing to practice. If you have never received Jesus before as your personal Lord and Savior, I mean, you never entered into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. I mean, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that today. It is so simple, and it starts with the Word. According to Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says this. It says, the Word of God is near you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. That's the Word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. The word saved means healed. The word protected, delivered, made whole. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you like to accept Jesus today, if you like to come into the body of Christ, because remember, we said the whole reason why you must be born again is not just so you can feel all spooky, but the whole purpose of you being born again is the only way you'll be able to understand God's way of doing things is by being a citizen of the kingdom of God. And the only way you can become a citizen of the kingdom of God is believing on the, on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. So I know you, that you're already ready. So I'm going to lead you in this short prayer. And man, say it out of your mouth. Mean it from your heart. Repeat this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. I receive you as Lord over my life. I receive the Holy Spirit. I receive your love. I receive your knowledge, wisdom right now. I receive understanding on all that I've heard today. I'm born again. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm set free. I'm made whole. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you pray that prayer for the very first time, we want to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you to the kingdom of God, welcome you back into a right relationship with God. So man, you ask the question, what's the next step? What do I need, do, need to do now? You got to get in a word-based church that teaches you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe Ignite Depot is the place for you. We are a teaching ministry. That word depot means training. We train people about the things of God in practical ways so they can go and apply it in their everyday life. If you want to really affect the nation around you, you want to affect your house, your community, your neighborhood, your job, all that, it starts by first, you got to you become a citizen of the kingdom of God by accepting Jesus. Second, you begin to understand how the kingdom of God works. Third, you go out and you begin to share with other people how the kingdom of God operates because you're applying it to your everyday life. And guess what's going to happen? It's going to turn that situation and circumstance around. So 
Uh, we're here every Saturday at 5 p.m. Every Saturday at 5 p.m. So if you're in the in the Ottawa area or you're passing through and you just need to stop by and get fed on the word, man, we'd love to have you join us. If you're watching online, man, invite someone, have a watch party, send us a shout out on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube. Just let us know that you're watching. Uh, if you're listening to this by podcast, man, give us a great review in the name of Jesus. And there's other podcasts and YouTube videos and Facebook and all that that's out there that's available to you. And on behalf of Minister Joanne, the entire Ignite Nation and myself, Apostle Milton Jones, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. We'll see you next time. God bless you.